for April 15th, 2020, it's the Lullabot Podcast. It's the Lullabot Podcast, episode 248. I'm Matt Cleave, a senior developer at Lullabot. With me, as always, host of the show, senior front-end dev, Mike Herschel. Hey, Mike. Howdy, Matt. How you doing? Um, you know, yeah, not too bad for a, for a day. <laughs> a month of a day? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so the last podcast, we talked about DrupalCon Europe, right? Yes, yes. And when we talked about DrupalCon Europe, we, we often had the caveat of, yeah, this is the plan, right? Mm-hmm. But plans change. Plans change, and the world's kind of a wild place at this point. And we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about that kind of thing. Like, there were plans that have changed for DrupalCon Europe, right? The date has mm-hmm. changed since we had our last last podcast. Yeah, and uh, things are changing at the Drupal Association. And, and we, have, uh, we have a number of people on the podcast talk a little bit about that. Yeah, one of our guests first will start with Drupal User ID 1. He's the founder and project lead of Drupal. He's the CTO and founder and chairman at Acquia, founding director of the Drupal Association. Hey, it's Dries Boitart. Hi, Dries. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. Glad you're here. Uh, also with us, we have the co-founder of Evolving Web, um, who also runs their Drupal training program. She is an elected member uh, or elected board member of the Drupal Association, works in the Drupal admin uh, user experience study and with the Promote Drupal initiative from Montreal, which is the great white north up in uh, Canada. Uh, welcome, Suzanne Durgacheva. Hey, it's great to be here. Yeah. Th- thanks for coming on. And Mike, also our boss is here. <laughs> we have the CEO and co-founder of Lullabot. He's been on Drupal.org as a user for 16 years and 11 months. It's uh, Matt Westgate. Hey, Matt. Hey, friends. Good to be here. Glad to be, glad to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, it's awesome. Not it's uh, needs to happen more often. Not as the yes. boss, but as uh, as a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's kind of jump into it, right? So uh, it's uh, it's. What month is this year? All right, let me start this over again. Let's kind of jump into it. It's April 2020. We can leave that in because this has just been a wild (laughs) month, hasn't it? It's all kind of bleeding together right now. You know, the the COVID-19 virus is kind of of going wild everywhere. Everyone's staying at home uh, with social distancing. Um, It's different kind of a little bit for everyone. And um, one thing that's being affected is conferences. Uh, There's a lot of uh, Drupal camps and uh, that are being that are going kind of virtual remote and uh, DrupalCon is also being postponed. And, And that's a that's affecting the Drupal Association, because my understanding is that DrupalCon North America is the big you know, moneymaker for the Drupal Association. Am, am I right in that? You are. Um, yeah, obviously it's a very scary time right now. And um, we had DrupalCon Minneapolis scheduled for May. And um, obviously the Drupal Association as the organizer of DrupalCon doesn't feel like it's, you know, okay to have an in-person event in May. So we, you know, are forced to postpone DrupalCon. And uh, we're still trying to figure out what that means exactly. Um, 
you know, we could either postpone it or we could go virtual as an alternative option. And so we're looking into our options, but um, we are committed to try and doing something uh, later in the summer or early in the fall. Yeah, and as part of that, um, I saw that DrupalCon Europe in Barcelona was postponed from September to December. And, you know, the first thought in my head is, well, maybe that opens up the slot for Minneapolis to move into, you know, the September area or something like that. It might. Um, you know, we've actually been working a lot with the um, you know, the venue and, and, and the city actually of, of Minneapolis to try and figure this out. But it's hard because every single event wants to move. Yeah. <laughs> they all have to postpone. And so they're all like fighting, I guess, for the available time slots. And that's, um, you know, obviously a lot of these slots were already taken as well, right? So it's not like that was wide open. So it's hard to move an event, especially an event the size of uh, DrupalCon. And nobody yeah. knows the future. So how far do we postpone these events, right? We don't really know when the right date would be anyway. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tricky time. So Very tricky. Handling the, the DrupalCon event is something that falls under the, the guides of the Drupal Association. Um, let's talk about the history of the Drupal Association, why it exists, why it was founded. Let's just kind of kick off from there. It was really founded... Funny enough, as a almost as a checking account. Um, so, way back in the early days of Drupal, I helped organize the first Drupal conferences, and um, I took on organizing one, you know, along with some other people in in Belgium, where I was living at the time. And so this was DrupalCon Brussels or DrupalCon Antwerp in two thousand and five, and we didn't have a nonprofit organization and or any kind of organization, uh, to be honest, and so. I accepted a bunch of sponsorship money and then to pay for the venue and, and all of that happens through my personal checking accounts, which um, is not a best practice, obviously, and also is complicated um, for, you know, for tax reasons because technically these sponsorships are income for me, personal income, right, at the time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we really felt like we needed to get serious and get more organized and have a checking account. And so in response, we did launch a Drupal Association uh, as a nonprofit organization with basically one goal, which was to support the Drupal project, um, you know, by organizing DrupalCon, but also uh, by doing other things, you know, anything that would help the Drupal project and the Drupal community sort of grow and, and flourish. So besides DrupalCon, what type of activities or what type of things does the Drupal Association take on? I think uh, a lot of people see the DrupalCon and they know that the Drupal Association's there. Um, but of course, Drupal.org is one of the main things that the Drupal Association provides. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that goes into that as well, like the recent uh, GitLab integration um, uh, a lot of uh, things like automatic updates that have been coming out recently are actually coming from the Drupal Association uh, engineering team. And obviously it hosts a lot of our tooling, you know, the tools that we use to develop Drupal, including, um, you know, Composer endpoints, 
including our testing infrastructure so we can automatically test all of the patches that have been contributed. Um, all of these things are paid for and maintained by the Drupal Association. Um, you know, there's all sorts of other programs like um, even as part of DrupalCon, like, you know, programs around diversity and inclusion, you know, that sponsor people to uh, attend uh, DrupalCons. Um, there's partner programs, member programs, um, various marketing programs that the Drupal Association, um, you know, does uh, with the goal to help promote Drupal and to make the commercial ecosystem around Drupal, um, you know, function well or better as well. So a lot of different things that the Drupal Association does, but it's all around this central theme of helping to grow and promote um, the Drupal project. Makes it, can, it can do that in a, uh, what's great about it is it can do it in a neutral way too. You know, it's not tied to a company uh, promoting Drupal. It's, it's for the good of the, of the community. So, Ideally, you know, the association is acting on behalf of like kind of what you give out is what you receive uh, kind of thing. I mean, I always think of like uh, Dries says, the Drupal itself, Drupal, the software will survive. Uh, you know, that's like the engine. We will always have that continue to work on it. But I feel like what the association oftentimes provides is like the car, the, 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 the vehicle to which we put the engine in to make things move, the, the doors that open to include and invite other people into the project. I mean, at least for, uh, for Lullabot, what the association gives us isn't just a, a way to make Drupal better for all, but uh, a lot of uh, people that uh, are not te technical, that are not developers, uh, my admin team, my marketing team, you know, the association is one of the ways that they can contribute back, whether it's doing promotional materials or just helping with events. Um, you know, there's a satisfaction uh, that people receive in like, hey, I can contribute to, to Drupal in ways that don't involve code. But oftentimes they do that through the association. And it'd be, It'd be hard. It'd be difficult to imagine uh, uh, a Drupal without the association, you know, to, to wake up tomorrow and know that, uh, you know, the association had to be reduced to essential functions only, you know, and like even defining essential functions at this point is like, how do you do that? Um, you know, I feel like there's probably already been rounds of optimizations and stuff. You know, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about the impact of postponing DrupalCon and sort of what's gone in there and what that means right now for the community and sort of where where the Drupal Association is in terms of of uh, the impact of of not doing DrupalCon. Yeah, I mean, I can I can tackle a little bit of that. So, as I mentioned, um, you know, we founded or we started the Drupal Association because we wanted to have a checking account and an organization that can help us organize the DrupalCon you know, events or conferences. And so historically, almost all of our revenue for the Drupal Association has come from events. Um, over the last years, we've worked really hard to try and diversify that revenue because obviously we know, you know if a DrupalCon would get canceled or something were to happen, 
that would put the organization at risk. And so while we have done a lot of work to diversify our revenue, uh, still today, you know, more than half of our revenue actually comes from a DrupalCon, right? And so actually it's, it's around 62 or so percent of all of the revenue uh, that comes from DrupalCon. Other sources of revenue, in case you're wondering, are things like our memberships, either individual or uh, organizational memberships. We also sell some advertising on Drupal.org. Uh, but these other things, they don't add up to be a significant part of the revenue. Now, long-term, we want to continue to shift that. But today, the reality is that half of the revenue actually does come from a DrupalCon. And so when you have to cancel or postpone a DrupalCon, that is very painful. Uh, it's painful in this case because um, the profits that come from a DrupalCon are actually used to pay for some of these services uh, that we just talked about, including Drupal.org, um, including the tooling, including marketing and outreach and security-related programs. A lot of these tools um, are paid for by DrupalCon. And so with DrupalCon being canceled, um, you know, those are now at risk. Um, and, and to put that in perspective, um, you know, the total revenue of a DrupalCon is, um, you know, about 2.7 million or so. That's not the profits, um, but it is a lot of money that comes in through um, a DrupalCon. And so, um, you know, with DrupalCon being canceled, we're looking at different options. And so we looked at, you know, completely canceling it, so like a full cancellation, uh, we've looked at postponing. We've looked at shifting to a virtual conference, as we mentioned. But in all of these scenarios, there's losses. Um, like when we cancel in full, it's over a million dollars of money that would be lost. If we postpone it, it would be, I think, $850,000 in losses. And if we shift it to a virtual conference and we assume that we're successful at organizing a virtual conference, it's still roughly half a million dollars um, that were short. And it's because of staff, it's because of um, contracts that were under with, um, you know, the venues and hotels and prepayments that we've made. So we've already, you know, paid some of the, the things that we have to pay um, as we have to for the contract. And so uh, it's a kind of a tricky situation. So all three options, full cancellation, um, a postponement or a virtual conference, successful virtual conference today actually do result in the Drupal Association losing money uh, in 2020. So that's where that difference is between, you know, the, you know, Drupal Association, I, I think they tweeted out at one point that they were going to have a shortfall between 1.1 million and around $400,000. And, and that's, that, that's, that's right. Where that yeah. money gets from. Yeah. That's right, yeah, because, you know, we have these multiple options and uh, we don't know yet which option uh, we're going to go with. We're still looking at kind of what's happening in the world, um, you know, um, and, and, and what we can do. So. so is there, so we know by now it's 100% postponed. Is there a deadline on when we are going, when we are going to make that decision on, if we if it is postponed, when to, or if it is going virtual, when to? 
Uh, part of the problem is that we're waiting um, on whether we have whether it has to be postponed because of a force measure, and that would change kind of some of the contracts that mm. we're tied into. Um, so part of it isn't just our own decision, but waiting on external factors. So does that mean that r- like right now, you are legally allowed to have the conference? There's nothing from stopping you except for like the health of you know all the attendees. But what you're waiting for, as I'm understanding it, is is an official, you know, law or decree coming from a government entity saying that you're that you're not allowed to have this. Is that correct? Yeah, as far as I understand. There, I've yeah, seen some correct. of those some of those updates um, that have been very good on the Drupal Association blog. Uh, if if anybody wants to follow along at home, um, yeah, and I, as I remember reading some of that was because the conference was a May conference and a lot of the April stuff has been officially canceled at this point. So they're still drawing the line because nobody knows how the future will be, right? If they call force majeure, we can get out of some of our contracts and hopefully get our money back. <clears throat> now, they actually did call force majeure, but it's tied to um, a time frame or a window in time. And like, you know, all the events in April qualify right now, but events in May don't qualify. So we're hoping that they will extend that window so that we can also rely on force majeure to you know, look at how we can postpone uh, the conference. I remember reading a very long time ago, and I'm, I'm kind of switching gears right here. I remember reading on, uh, on Slashdot that, that there was a server crash or something and we need Drupal as an as an organization needed to take donations to to get a new server or something like that. Yeah, um, that's right, and that's way back when. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can tell the story. I've, I've told it, but I'll tell it again because I think it's an important story, especially uh, in times like this, because it really tells you a couple of things. One is how resilient Drupal is. And two, how amazing the Drupal community is and what can happen when we come together mm-hmm. as a community. So <clears throat> the story goes like this. So in the early days, I was a, well, I was a student and I didn't have any money. Um, and because I didn't have any money, I had to ask a friend um, to give me what was called at the time a shell account, which is basically... Um, a, you know, a shared account on a server. And I used that shared account to run the Drupal.org website. So it basically ran on a server alongside a whole bunch of other websites, uh, customer websites of, of this friend. Um, and I was fine and it was free and it was cheap. Um, and so I was happy. Um, but it's also around the time that Drupal started to grow really, really fast. And uh, very quickly, the server became overloaded and uh, to the point where it almost literally melted (laughs) and it went down and we were unable to keep it back up because there was so much traffic coming to the Drupal, um, the dark website. And so because I was a student and because I didn't have any money, my only idea or my best idea, I guess, was to replace every single page of Drupal.org with an empty page and to put on every page, just a PayPal button, along with a little bit of text. And that text said something like, 
you know, please donate some money. Um, we need $4,000 to buy a new server because I'd done some quick, you know, <clears throat> back of the envelope calculation. And I felt like if we had $4,000, we could buy this amazing server and that would serve us for many, many, many years. And I didn't have $4,000. And so all I could do was ask for help and something truly amazing happened. And I think in like 24 hours, you know, people all around the world, people in the Drupal community contributed over $10,000. And <laughs> I was like, amazing, because um, I never had $10,000 in my life. And so I immediately changed the PayPal password to be like, you know, 64 characters, because I was afraid people would, <laughs> you know, hack it, right? And I would lose all that money. Uh, PayPal blocked my account, by the way. And they said, you know, we blocked it for suspicious traffic because I think the first four or five years of Drupal, I had collected like $50 in all those years. And all of a sudden, you know, $10,000 streams into the account. Um, and then something else happens. One of the chief technology officers of Sun Microsystems, which was, you know, back then, Kind of, kind of a famous, you know, software and hardware company, which ended up being acquired by Oracle. But um, one of the CTOs, they said, we actually use Drupal internally and we make servers. And so we will ship you a server. And literally a few days later, like a seven or $8,000 server showed up um, wow. at the doorsteps. And so here we are, <laughs> we needed a new server. And all of a sudden we have $10,000 and a $7,000 or $8,000 server. Um, and then one more thing happens, which was the University of Portland, Oregon. They said, if you have a server, we will host it for you. Like we'll provide you electricity, we'll provide you bandwidth. And oh, by the way, we have a bunch of students at the university that's part of their curriculum. They have to work in the lab and help maintain those servers. And so, not only did they give electricity and hosting, but they also actually gave, uh, you know, human help, I guess. <laughs> People that would help keep uh, the servers up and running and configured every piece of it. And so it's pretty amazing because, like, here we are, like, in, you know, 24 hours or in a couple of days, mm -hmm. we had collected all of these money. And it was very special. Um, it was very special because it really showed how special I think the Drupal community is and, and was at the time too. And um, one of the things that we did coming out of this, and some of you may remember, is we actually created this poster um, of a DrupalCon and in it, we had all of the names of people and organizations that had like chipped in money. Uh, and so we would print this poster and we would take it with us around the world. And um, as we went to Drupal events and Drupal cons, we would hang it on the wall as a thank you for all of the people that helped us, um, you know, survive. And so, you know, it's it's a fun story, but it's it's an important story because I think it shows how resilient and strong the Drupal project is, and how we can come together and be creative and do things um, like the poster and other stuff um, to, you know to kind of, you know, do the right thing to help Drupal to give back and then also celebrate and, and be very grateful of everybody that helped.
And uh, I think it defined our culture and some of that culture or all of that culture still exists today. Um, so. So we, uh, it, some really good community members came out of those connections too. Uh, some people that you met in the, the um, Oregon labs that were maintaining the servers are still Drupal community members today. Uh, and I was on the other side of that. I remember <laughs> waking up one morning, loading Drupal.org and going, what happened? Where did it go? Where's where's my where's my software? Where's my community? Uh, and I, I I remember sitting there. You had an ongoing um, monetary counter of like, hey, here's how much, here's how much, here's my, and just refreshing that, and like just seeing the price or just seeing the donations go over that four thousand dollar mark was was incredible. Um, but it, it was also a wake up call. Like by not having Drupal.org available, it was it was it showed me how much I relied on it, like how much I needed it in order to do what I was doing in order, you know, the documentation was there, the code was there and I didn't have access to that. And I think, you know, this is like where we are presently is it's really easy. Like when things work really well, it's easy to take it for granted, you know, and, and to remember where stuff comes from. You know, we talk about the tooling and the infrastructure and it's important. And there was a time where it was, you know, even after it was difficult to keep Drupal uh, up and running, you know, there's been some serious growth in the past and, and uh, and to even all of that out, to, you know, to make it a reliable resource that that we can lean on. I mean, you know, just think for a moment if we if we didn't have people uh, whose jobs it were to to make all of that stuff available to us twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Um, you know, it's at this point, it's really we're we're grateful that we have a team of people whose job it is to sort of keep the lights on for us uh, all the time. Uh, and it would be difficult to think that, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't fulfill that, that need um, because of a temporary moment in time. Uh, I think the ability for us to rally together again and keep, keep Drupal, uh, Drupal and the Drupal Association together is really important. And I will, I will add to that a couple of things, if I, if I may. Uh, first of all, we do have a dedicated team of engineers at the Drupal Association that keep the lights on and that keep innovating. They keep adding features uh, to Drupal.org every week, every month. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and they're like the most incredible team of people too. Like we've gone through these financial um you know, problems in the past and they've taken pay cuts and they've stayed on and they've, they've been so committed and so loyal. It, I mean, I don't know, I don't know a more hardworking, more loyal uh, team than that team. Like they're so aligned with Drupal and its purpose and its mission. And I mean, they work incredibly hard um, and it would be really sad to see um that disappear, not just because it's a great team, but obviously for you know everyone in the world that benefits from having Drupal.org, you know, like it's where we collaborate. And actually, if you want to, if you want to go back in time a little bit, um, you know, Matt and I, I forgot when we first started, you know, talking or emailing Matt, but 
at the time, you know, Drupal.org was something very different. And we were emailing patches back and forth. You know, we had an email list where we would post and, you know, patches and I would take them from the email and I would apply them and I would commit them to CVS. And so in the early days, we didn't have any of the tooling and, you know, we helped build the project um, queues and the ticketing system that we have and all of the testing. And, you know, we built all of that before GitHub was a thing. Like we literally build our own GitHub before GitHub was a thing. And we've inspired those projects like GitHub uh, based on sort of the, the work that we, we did and that we pioneered. And even today, um, we are ahead of many other solutions. I mean, the way we do testing is incredible. Like no other organization that I know of does testing like we do, where you upload a patch to a ticket and then we apply the patch and we test it before it gets committed. Like 99% of the organizations will commit a patch and then test it. But the system that we have around testing and even our security team and how we do security, I mean, it is world-class. It is better than almost anything out there. Sometimes I think we forget that, um, but it's really true if you think about it. Um, and if you compare it to what other organizations are doing. And so it is what helped us grow. It is what helps us scale today. And it's, it's also what helps us, um, you know, collaborate together. And so we have to protect that. We have to, you know, foster that. And we have to keep investing in that at all costs in my mind. So here we are 15 years later um, from the server story. And uh, the the financial need we're talking about is, you know, add a couple of zeros and maybe even some more than that is the uh, the community, of course, has grown since then significantly. Uh, is the community up for it? I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, first of all, let me stress and, and Matt said this in the beginning. Um, I think Drupal is going to survive this for sure. Like there's no question in my mind that Drupal, the project, the technical Drupal, if you will, will come out of this um, strongly. Like we are going to ship Drupal 9, no question in my mind. Um, and historically, these kinds of you know, worldwide recessions have been actually pretty positive for open source. Um, you know, during like an economic downturn, a lot of organizations will look to lower their expenses, their costs, and, you know, often they're forced to do more with less and adopting open source helps these organizations, right? And so if you look back at previous recessions, like the dot-com crash in 20 or 2000-ish, or the Great Recession in 2007 to 2009 or so, in each of those recessions, we actually saw an acceleration of open source uh, for the reasons um, that I mentioned. You know, it helps organizations cut their spending uh, without actually compromising um, their pace of innovation. Um, and I think open source has come a long way since 2007, 2008, 2009. I think we've only become better, right? We've become more secure, more flexible, more stable than ever before. So I think open source is going to be a great solution um, 
And I think what we've seen just in the last month or so is this incredible crash in the markets, like faster than anything I think we've witnessed before. And it has caused a little bit of a panic reaction. But I think now that we're sort of, I don't know, a month in or three weeks in, I think organizations are going to start looking at, all right, how do we buckle up and how do we save money? And I think that's when organizations will will look at open source for, for the reasons that I mentioned, um, like saving money. But another reason, actually, I think, and it's important, is that it also gives these organizations a lot more control over their own destiny. And like one of the the things that's a little bit tricky right now is that if you rely on a proprietary vendor, um, that vendor could go out of business, right? So if you have a proprietary CMS, um, and if that vendor doesn't survive, you're kind of t- you know you're kind of screwed. <laughs> Versus with open source, you don't have that problem. So there is a very compelling story that's not just about cost savings, um, but you know also about control over your own destiny and, and a whole bunch of other things, which I believe um, could result in open source doing well in the recession. So I do believe Drupal will be fine in the end, but the Drupal Association may not, right? Like the Drupal Association is sort of an event organ- organizing business, really, if you look at it from a financial point of view. and the Drupal Association may not be okay. And as a result, some of the things that the Drupal Association does may be impacted. And I don't think we want that to happen because even though Drupal will definitely survive, it may not survive the same way, right? Like there's a difference between surviving and thriving, if you will. And I do believe that the Drupal Association helps the the Drupal project uh, thrive. So I think we have to come together um, and we have to help um, the Drupal Association. And it's hard because, um, you know, I understand. And, I, and, 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 you know, in talking to people, I feel it too. I understand that a lot of people out there are also experiencing pain, right? It's not easy for anyone. And so it's a very difficult time to ask for help. Um, and I definitely would encourage people to take care of themselves first. Um, I do fly a lot or I used to fly a lot. And in the back seat is this sheet with the safety instructions. And it, it does say, um, you know, put on your own safety mask before helping others. And I, I do believe in that in this case. And I think while we're asking for help, um, you know, we recognize that not everybody is in a position to help and that they may need to help um, their own organizations first. So what is the best way for, for people to help? Um, I know, I know earlier you mentioned that the Drupal association was financially trying to not be as dependent on conferences. So last week, uh, the Drupal Association launched the Drupal Cares campaign, which you might have heard of, yeah. um, which is specifically to fill this gap that we've been talking about. And there's many ways to contribute. So just straight up donating is mm-hmm. something you can do. Um, but at an individual level, uh, if you want to become a member of the Drupal Association, now would be a great time. 
uh, to pledge your support. So that, you know, I'm renewing membership, something that you can do monthly or yearly. Um, and it, it's really inexpensive at the lowest level. So I encourage everybody to do that. Um, it's, it's amazing. There's actually, you know, 1.4 million users of Drupal.org. And I think only, uh, you know, less than 3,000 people are, are members wow. of the Drupal Association. Uh, so if you're not sure if you're a member, go, go check now. And that's sort of like the, the baby step to get started. Yeah. Um, as an individual, you can donate. And then uh, you can also encourage your company to become a supporting partner. There's a supporting partnership program um, that you can participate in. Uh, again, just to, to support the association long-term. So now would be a great time to join that program. And uh, other ways to contribute, of course, contributing to Drupal is also always, uh, it's always a good time to start doing that. But right now the Drupal Association needs money. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it surprises me that there's less than 3000 um, Drupal uh, Drupal Association members, you know, from my point of view, like my, my main source of income, you know, is working at Lullabot, which is primarily a Drupal services company. You know, if, if you are getting a significant portion of your money of your income from Drupal, you should be a member of this association. I mean, that's, that's why I believe if you, you know, assuming that you can financially afford it, because as, as Drees mentioned, you know, there are a lot of people that unfortunately cannot right now with the uh with the the goal i think the goal that the drupal association set is five hundred thousand dollars i'm curious do we know i, I wonder if many of the listeners wonder they just hear five hundred thousand dollars and then the next question is like what's that for what do we you know, if, if is the, and I know there's a bit about a bunch of optimizations that the Drupal Association has already done and crunched the numbers and everything. But if the goal is raised, does that mean we get to keep everything that is the Drupal Association or is that still after making cuts? Like any insights into like, if we don't get the $500,000 as the Drupal Association, these are the things that we are likely to lose, or is it we're likely to lose it all? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, it, it's, a, it's a little bit tricky to answer because there is a bunch of variables. Are we gonna postpone and have an in-person conference? Are we gonna go to a virtual conference? Can we make the virtual conference successful? Meaning we would still want to sell, you know, tickets and sponsorships in, in some form or fashion. And it also depends on can we get out of some of the existing contracts or not? Uh, do we get some of the help from the government or not, right? Because as, as I'm sure everybody knows, um, the US government is launching, you know, various kind of relief programs. Um, so, you know, it's hard to really accurately model everything. I can tell you that the Drupal Association already made the difficult decision to let a few people go um, to try and sort of 
um, you know, save money. Um, so I think, you know, that's obviously very painful to do because they were really good people, but it was also the responsible thing to do and sort of making sure, um, you know, we, we can make our money, you know, mm-hmm. last, I guess. Um, so the Drupal Association has taken some steps um, or, you know, important steps. And then we are constantly tweaking these models to get to a number. But, um, you know, we think 500,000 is what we need at a minimum. But we think we can, if it's 500,000, we've made some assumptions that we hope will come true. For example, one assumption is that um, other programs are not affected. As I mentioned, um, the Drupal Association also makes money with Drupal.org advertising. It's about 15% of the total revenue, like 1-5% of the total revenue. So one of the many assumptions is that. Specifically, we assume that um, you know organizations in the Drupal ecosystem will continue to buy advertising and that that 50% number stays 15% but we don't know, maybe advertising goes down because of this. And so in that case, the 500,000 may not be sufficient, right? So um, so the way we arrived at the half a million dollars is uh, based on a lot of modeling, looking at different options and making a long list of assumptions. Um, and you know, some of them are quite optimistic to be honest, but we do think if we have half a million dollars, We'll be in a position to to really weather these this storm, and um, to keep providing a lot of the essential services. Maybe some things will be affected, um, but it won't be, you know, Drupal.org. It won't be uh, some of these services. And so I say all of that, <laughs> and I should add a caveat that um, it you know all even that is a little bit up in the air depending on how all of the different pieces. Uh, fall into place, but we feel very confident um, that half a million dollars closes, um, you know, the gap or the majority of the gap in in a way that will allow us to come out of this on the other side in in a way that's not, um, you know, too battered. So as Drupal has matured and time has passed, um, it's no longer a group of people, but those people are in organizations. And then, as I understand it, organizations have stepped up to try and help close this gap some as well. Uh, so when the uh, even before the announcement was made about DrupalCon being postponed or disrupted in some way, a lot of companies, um, including Lullabot, jumped up and said, that they would pledge their sponsorships for the conference and that they wouldn't ask for a refund on those sponsorships. So that was the first kind of wave of support that the Drupal Association got, which uh, was really much appreciated and adds a lot of momentum, I think, to this cause to make us feel like, yes, we can get through this. Um, and then in the, in the since then, um, more and more of those sponsors have stepped up to say, the same thing and also to make donations of their own or to pledge their uh, supporting partnerships. Yeah, it was actually amazing, um, you know, from, from all about to see, you know, like, like you guys are first, 
and uh, you, you 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 did that without even really knowing the situation. You you kind of, um, I guess, made an assumption that this would be hard for the Drupal Association based on all your, you know, years of experience and being involved with the Drupal Association. So that was that was pretty amazing to get that, um, you know, to get that update that um, you proactively without asking had pledged your DrupalCon sponsorship. So, um, you know, a big thank you. And that actually inspired a lot of others to do the same. And uh, Suzanne's company did the same. Uh, my company, Acquia, did the same and, and many others. And we're still inviting others to do the same. Um, not everybody has, not everybody can either, uh, but there's still an opportunity for, um, you know, other organizations to pledge their sponsorship um, I like, maybe it would Sorry. be, maybe it would be helpful, uh, to talk a little bit about the why, uh, that was, that was done. Uh, so people sort of can understand maybe the logic behind it. Um, the, the, the impetus for it actually, it, it did not come from me. It came from, from my, my marketing team. Uh, so they came to me and said, Hey, we want to do this. Uh, so I asked them why, uh, and in addition to them feeling like, you know, it was something, the Drupal Association's valuable to them. Uh, so for them, it was kind of a no brainer. It was, it was the right thing to do. That's what they felt. But uh, I mean, we were fortunate enough to be able to be in a position to do it, but our math looked like this. If the, if DrupalCon isn't happening, if it, if it is, if it's a virtual conference, um, you know, it's most likely that, all of the expenses that we would have had in flights uh, and uh, hotels and logistics and all of that, that it, at that point, if all of that money is sort of returned, if you will, back into our budgets, well then leaving our sponsorship on the table is a, is a small drop in the bucket compared to what we would otherwise have to pay to, to fly everybody out and bringing them together. So, you know, in terms of like looking at the numbers, uh, leaving our sponsorship on the table to enable the Drupal Association to give them some breathing room uh, so they could they could help figure out uh, how to recover was uh, was uh, a more a more straightforward decision to make, if you will. And it's such a great showing of, of support uh, to see other other companies uh, rally and sort of come to the same conclusions, if you will, of the importance of the, of the association the ha and, and what they, the role they play in, in their business. Yeah, I agree. So uh, browse in Drupal.org. I've, I've, I saw that, uh, that we now have the big old modal that says we need your support. Um, has has that been working? It has um, to yeah. some extent. So I think, um, I mean, I liked how Suzanne phrased it, like sort of the first wave of support was the pledging mm -hmm. of the sponsorships by the, you know, different sponsors. Um, the second wave, which is sort of the Drupal Care um, or Drupal Cares program, uh, is is kind of an appeal for donations or people signing up for memberships and yeah um, every day I mean it's if you go to the donate page it's really heartwarming actually to see how many have contributed and we're up to 
almost $45,000 in uh, individual donations or memberships, I believe. So in just a couple of weeks, um, maybe only one week maybe since we launched the Drupal Cares program, we've seen a lot of people uh, come to help. Something else that I saw that I've been, uh, I've been, I've actually kind of uh, talked to Suzanne about this at one point is that the Drupal uh, Association membership now has an option for monthly donations as opposed to yearly donations, which I, I was just kind of poking around at the podcast and I see that that is new. So that's kind of exciting. So I, as, as run a podcast, I switched my, my um, membership renewal over to monthly so I can do monthly donations as opposed to one large yearly donation. And I would maybe recommend our, all of our listeners do the same too. That's something that uh, it's, it's a little bit easier to give every, every, a little bit a month as opposed to, you know, once a year and then you can usually give more too. Yeah, something, something else that I'm actually planning to announce tomorrow yeah, uh, I haven't announced this yet, but um, I, I do think we need sort of a second wave. We need to keep going. Uh, $45,000 is uh, obviously a lot of money, but it's not enough to close a half a million dollar gap. So, um, you know, Vanessa, which is my wife and I, um, so we've been talking about how we could help uh, contribute uh, to the Drupal Association and you know, and, and by extension to the Drupal community as a whole. And uh, we have decided um, to to basically match that $45,000 of individual donations that have come in so far. And um, we've also decided to uh, keep matching, um, keep matching people's individual donations up to $100,000. And so if we all work together, and we all keep donating, um, you know, we can get to $200,000 that way. So um, if you're not familiar with matching real quick, it means that if you give $100, I'll give $100 or we give wow. $100. If you give $500, Vanessa and I will give $500. And so we'll keep giving until, um, you know, Vanessa and I have given $100,000 total. And this applies to individual donations as well as individual memberships. Um, so hopefully that will give another reason for uh, people to, to, uh, to contribute. That's incredible. Yeah. So I was, I was thinking as we're talking about the dire straits that the Drupal Association is in and like, of course, the hard times that uh you know with the pandemic the current pandemic and everything like that be nice to maybe have something maybe a little bit more upbeat we could talk maybe about our favorite DrupalCon moments our favorite DrupalCons. i have a i have a couple in my head or or, or maybe your favorite thing to do while you're at DrupalCon. i think we're all looking forward to a situation where we can all get together again <laughs> yeah i know that's what we're looking forward to yeah 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 I think, like, I think it would be a shame if we didn't have an in-person DrupalCon anymore. Yeah, you know, so many other companies, organizations are switching to virtual events, and 
there's a lot of good reasons for that, I think. And there's some real advantages, like it's more inclusive in a way, right? Like everybody can join or it's more easy to join than having to travel and uh, tends to be more expensive to attend an in-person event. Um, but having said that, I think there is something really special about DrupalCon and meeting people in person. And I mean, I've created lifelong friendships just by going to DrupalCon. And there's something special about just the atmosphere and the feeling of, I don't know, togetherness and and collaboration. And um, so I would miss that. So um, it's up to the Drupal Association staff to decide, obviously, and it will be driven by financials. But um, my hope is that we'll continue to have in-person events because they've been so valuable um, and, and maybe we'll have a virtual component to every DrupalCon. Um, yeah. But I, I would hope we still meet in person and hang out and talk in person because everything else we do is virtual pretty much, right? So it is nice to have that connection once in a while, um, the in-person connection, I should say, once in a while. It seems like there's something invigorating about you know reaching out and, and seeing the people that you interact with you know, in, in person. Well, I was sitting here trying to consider all of the things that DrupalCon is to all of the people. Um, so as someone who's been in the community for a while, we, we talk about seeing the old friends, right? The, the, the people we see once a year who, you know, have similar jobs or maybe we've crossed paths on a project and we get together and we talk. We, you know, it's Mike, I think you've called it the family reunion of people you actually want to see. <laughs> right but but beyond that there's i mean within the drupal community there's the the contribution sprints and the effort that gets put in uh on the project itself as well as all of the education that happens within the sessions if you want to learn something the person that invented it is on stage and will tell you everything they have to know and even after they're done talking you could probably continue talking with them um also the trade show right I mean, as, as a business, we have a booth and we have the opportunity to, to meet potential clients and tell them our story and tell them Drupal's story. And it's great. I mean, it's, it, 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 it gets everybody together for, for many things. And I think DrupalCon is an important thing. And the DA supporting that is important as well. Yeah, I went to uh, the MidCamp, which is a virtual camp um, a few weeks ago and it was great to see so many people there who might not actually have been able to make it to Chicago so I saw that as like a great experience but trying to imagine a, a DrupalCon where you're you're able to do so much more um, like every every DrupalCon um, I seem to get involved in some new initiative to help out with Drupal UX or you know um, some kind of promotion activities, and uh, I, I can't imagine that that would that it would be as easy to make those connections through a virtual conference. And then when you talk about the educational opportunities, I mean, there's people who are brand new to Drupal, and they don't they don't get a sense of this community that we have just from their virtual experience of go you know going to Drupal.org or you know, maybe going to a session on Zoom. Um, yeah. Whereas that in-person experience is really going to bring that to life for them, that community. 
So I feel like, uh, you know, maybe in the future, we'll be able to have virtual conferences that uh, make all of this possible. But at the moment, I think, I think it would be hard to replicate everything that we have. Yeah, you asked for favorite moments and uh, I'm channeling the first Drupal conference, uh, the 2005 one that Dries mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, I remember that well. That was, um, it was, uh, it was pretty incredible because the, one of the first things, so from the very first DrupalCon, we had scholarships. Uh, we had gotten uh, Iowa State University to provide scholarships for people that were working on Drupal uh, to get their ticket paid for, to, to provide for their hotel. Uh, and so uh, I was one of the people, one of the lucky people that got to ping individuals and say, hey, we've got a ticket for you. Uh, we're all gonna, gonna fly uh, and, and get together uh, and talk about this software. Are you in? Uh, and it was pretty incredible because how many people were there, Dries? I want to say 30, 50, something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, no, uh, yeah, like I think 30, 40 ish. Well, it's pretty small. In the, the basement of a hotel, more or less. Uh, and no, exactly moment, a basement. <laughs> <laughs> the moment I want to recall is someone had the wisdom and foresight to bring uh, name tags that we could write our names on. Instinctively, what we all did is in big letters, we wrote our IRC handles, and then in small uh, print underneath it, we, wrote our, we would write our names because for three years, four years, we, the only way we knew each other was the IRC handles. And I channel that feeling of seeing someone for the very first time, uh, see, you know, putting a face to the name, somebody that maybe had contributed on your patch or like helped you on a module or helped you out in the issue queue and seeing them for the first time and being able to give them a high five or a hug or just continue the conversation. Like that's the, I think that's the magic of, of DrupalCon that we want to try and retain. Very true. My favorite moment, it's hard to pick one, uh, but one that I'll never forget ever in my life is um, DrupalCon San Francisco. I think it was 2010, maybe. Could have been, yeah, I think 2010. And I was doing my Dries note or keynote and I kind of went off script a little bit because <laughs> I didn't really intend to ask this, but I, in the middle of my keynote, I asked, please stand up if Drupal changed your life. And literally everybody, 3,000 people stood up. And like, I had goosebumps, like yeah, like crazy. It was unexpected because I went off script. And then it was unexpected that literally everybody or almost everybody stood up. And so, I don't know. It's, it's amazing to think about how many people make a living with Drupal or even started a Drupal business because of DrupalCon, like Matt. <laughs> um, and, you know, how it helps, you know, them provide better lives for their families. And, um, and so, I mean, that's, that's some of the power of DrupalCon. I mean, even if you go back, Matt, to the first DrupalCon that you just mentioned, so many people that were there ended up 
starting Drupal businesses like Boris Mann started the very first Drupal company called Bright. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe Neil Drum was there. Mm -hmm. I forgot. Uh, but Neil obviously ended up at the Drupal Association is, is one of those people that works every day to keep the lights on. Um, like Chris Messina was there <laughs> who ended up contributing a lot to um, <clears throat> Drupal's, um, you know, usability, but then also ended up inventing the hashtag. <laughs> he was one of the first Drupal people, if you recall. Um, Zach Rosen was there. Um, ended up starting, um, well, first chapter three, I think, right? And then Pantheon. Yep. And so a lot of the people that were at these early, early Drupal cons really ended up doing a lot of great things for Drupal, uh, which is, yeah, kind of amazing. And so I don't think that would have happened without an in-person event. I'm so glad you mentioned the, uh, the, the please stand up moment, Dries. That was actually uh, when Mike was asking for, for favorite DrupalCon moments, I'd, I, I've written down three of them, and that was on my short list because I, I was amazed to be a part of that crowd of everybody feeling the same way I did was, you know, how, how much I had been able to change my career because Drupal existed. And, you know, there was, there was this great community out that was able to support my learning it and getting involved. It was great. Amazing. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I think, um, <clears throat> no, no doubt Drupal has had a very big impact on, on my personal life, uh, but obviously also on the lives of thousands of others. And so, I mean, I think it's important to reflect on that, you know, and then I think you put that in in the context of the current situation. And so I feel something that we need to protect, you know, the, the impact that Drupal has and our collective purpose almost, um, especially when things get a little tough. Um, so I don't think we would want to lose that. Absolutely not. Suzanne, any favorite DrupalCon moments? One uh, that comes to mind, I guess, is the DrupalCon Asia a couple years ago. And it really stands out because it had a lot of that new enthusiasm there were so many people there who were you know such a high percentage of people there who uh, were new to the community new to drupal and there was just so much excitement mm -hmm. um and i actually see a lot of that at the um on the training days at DrupalCon because a lot of those people are at their first DrupalCon. uh they don't know what to expect they're kind of expecting like a corporate conference um, which DrupalCon has become to some degree, but I, I think that there's something special that stands out for, for those people, but it's, it's more, more than that. Um, and they actually see the contributors. And um, so that, that to me, like DrupalCon Asia really stood out to me in that way. Um, and then I think recently uh, DrupalCon Nashville a couple of years ago, um, there was a, actually the Drupal Association had organized a round table. And I didn't, I don't know, I, maybe these have been going on for years, but I had never been invited to a round table before. And it was like a leadership uh, session and there are all these people there. Um, 
uh, talking about how they wanted to contribute. And I was actually able to connect two people together who were working on similar projects, you know, um, and, um, and it was just uh, kind of amazing to me that at that point I knew enough people that I could make connections that would actually make a positive contribution to the project. Uh, so uh, yeah, but lots of moments like that, just so many connections, so much uh, motivation and enthusiasm comes from meeting all these people in person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mike, I'm curious, you've been to a bunch. What's your favorite moment? I have probably a bunch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my first was um, in San Francisco. So I was in, I was in the crowd uh, standing up. Um, what, what were you doing at that point? You, had you started your own web development stuff or what were no, you doing? No, I was working at my previous job, uh, mm -hmm. which was at the Florida High School Athletic Association. I was, I was doing a little bit of everything, but I was uh, in the process then of transitioning their uh, static HTML website into Drupal 6, which is still running. <laughs> and um, yeah, that, that's, that says something about Drupal, right? Yeah, yeah, it totally does. Solid. <laughs> Solid. Hopefully it's been upgraded. It hasn't. It says something about Mike too. Yeah. Solid um, work. Yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I think like when I first started getting involved in the community, um, I remember it, it was prior to DrupalCon Portland. I, you know, I was involved with organizing Footer Drupal Camp and I was starting to make friends in the Drupal community, et cetera. And I put this thing on Drupal, groups.drupal.org. And I said, hey, let's organize this hiking, cool hiking trip in the mountains of Oregon prior to um, DrupalCon Portland. You know, so I put that on there and I tweeted it out. And I, I think um, Ryan Price mentioned it in the uh, Drupal Easy podcast. And we ended up getting like 10 people or so and uh, meeting like, you know, at the airport. We rented a couple of vans. We went up deep into the mountains and uh, had a great rented two cabins, a bunch of like really amazing people that like, you know, people that you've you know, that are fairly prominent in the Drupal community now. I was getting to meet them and it, it was just, it was just amazing. It was just so much fun meeting people and becoming friends. And like, I feel like I have all these lifelong friends uh, from the community and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's obviously been pretty special. And as I said, like Matt Cleave, like it's, it's like the way I phrased it is that, like Drupal events are a high school reunion of people that you want to actually see, you know, so it's not quite like family, but high school, high school reunion. Okay. I got it wrong. Yeah. I'll get it right next time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Take notes. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. Cool. Well, the hashtag is Drupal cares. And if, if folks want to donate, they can just go to uh, drupal.org slash association, correct? And and there's a couple buttons right there that says become a member, make a donation, um, or however else that you, you would like to help out. And don't forget the incredible donation matching opportunity Dries announced on yes. this podcast. Um, um, yeah, that's very um, generous. You're welcome. Um, felt like the right thing to do. So yeah, I think you go to the donate page and um, if you're not a member yet, it might be a good starting point actually to consider a membership. 
Uh, if you're already a member, there's obviously an opportunity to donate. If you've already donated, you can donate again if you want. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of different options. If you want to be creative, do something creative. Um, if you have an idea that you want to explore, even like making a poster <laughs> or something like we did back in the day, by all means, reach out to um, me or Suzanne was obviously on the board of the Drupal Association as well, or uh, directly to the Drupal Association, um, or just do it. No need to reach out per se, but uh, we can use all the help that we can get, so. I'll just mention, like, uh, um, come up, you know, feel free to come up with other creative ways if you have other ideas. Uh, my company, Evolving Web, we're donating half of the funds from our Drupal training program to Drupal Cares in the coming month. Um, so if you have an idea like that of how to encourage other people to donate, um, or if you're an all-star marketer and you want to help us with the campaign itself, um, I think it's something that we, we could use some help promoting. Uh, so if you want to contribute in that way, that would be really, um, really appreciated. Dries, Suzanne, Matt, thanks for coming on. We appreciate your time. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.